Well, welcome back to our Lenten journey. Now we're into Easter, so I guess we're going to keep going with our, our book study on the way of the disciple. Um, we're going to quick begin by just talking about um, our tritium and our experience of that in the Easter season. And then we'll get into our chapter, which is um, chapter 6, if I'm correct. And that is on the abandoned pitcher, which is on John chapter 4. But I'll begin with Sarah just asking, how was your tritium or some things that stood out to you? and that you're holy near and dear to your heart. Yeah, thanks, Father. Hello, everyone. Happy <clears throat> Easter. Well, it was wonderful, as you said, simply to celebrate it in person. Yeah. <laughs> After last year, such a gift to be with people, to actually <clears throat> be present, to receive Jesus, to go through mm -hmm. that experience as a community. So very grateful for all of that. I was especially touched by the Good Friday liturgy mm -hmm. this year. Um, you know, everything was wonderful. But Father Jerry's homily, I think he doesn't share very often about his own personal prayer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so I was very touched by how he did that, sharing mm -hmm. how he prays with the cross and holds it to his heart as he's praying. It was very yep. touching. Uh, saw a side of him I hadn't seen before. Mm. And then um, the veneration of the cross was very powerful too. Mm -hmm. We couldn't touch or kiss it this year, of course, mm -hmm. because of COVID guidelines. But... Um, to be able to venerate a true relic and mm -hmm. then to touch a cross to it, a little cross to it, or crucifix, and to have that become a third-class relic was very powerful. I had, was helping Deacon Rick with the altar, yeah. um, and so I got into line after that, and I mm -hmm. forgot to take my shoes off. Oh, yeah, that's an option. That's an option. <laughs> I totally, I'm, so I'm going through the line, I'm like, oh, I totally forgot to do that. And then um, I forgot to genuflect when I got oh, up to there, mm -hmm. too, also. So I sat down in my seat and or knelt, and I was like, Jesus, I did it all wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he said, close your eyes, Sarah. Yeah, yeah. So I closed my eyes, and I just had this image of being with him, at the foot of the cross and he said to me well where are you i'm like mm -hmm. well i'm with you <laughs> it's like yeah. see it's okay you can do mm -hmm. it all wrong and still be with me yeah. all wrong yeah 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 all right ideas sometimes it's just right. we just get, we get caught up slow in, down yeah, yeah exactly so it's really beautiful just to have that image of being with him at the foot of the cross mm -hmm. and the longing to stay there with him was very mm -hmm. strong in my heart so those were some of the main yeah. graces yeah for me um i would say first of all thanks to the community at most blessed sacrament yes they're wonderful um just to be with them was was really powerful helped me a lot of course and then obviously having quinn and marie mm -hmm. uh, with their musical gifts mm -hmm. and the tenebrae service their musical gifts um but for me it was uh yeah it was the confessions were really long and exhausting <laughs> um and that's that's fine i'm not saying i'm complaining but you could tell people are carrying a lot of heaviness around. And then to be able to stay up till midnight um, mm -hmm. with the Eucharist on, mm -hmm. on Holy Thursday. And then Good Friday was, again, exhausting, not eating any food. And then, um, again, more confessions. Mm -hmm. I was very happy that Father Jerry had to preach that day because I don't think I would have made it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I, was, I encountered some of the tenebrae service who was in need of prayer. Um, and it was like... Yeah, it was just very exhausting in a, in a good way. It was like the Lord had me where he wanted me. And then, yeah, same thing with, with Holy Saturday. It was just like, again, another person needed prayer mm -hmm. um, after, the, after the practice. And it was just awesome to welcome Alex Burks yes, into, the, into the church. Um, yeah, so he was, he's on a third, he was in his 13. He started thinking of becoming Catholic. Mm -hmm. So he was, ba he was evangelical Baptist, something like that. And really knows his stuff. So mm -hmm. he's going to be a very big gift. You can keep him in your 
prayers. Uh, he, you know, was welcomed and he took the name of Joseph. So it was really, yeah, that was, that was powerful um, to be there. And then the Alleluia, like a 10 minute Alleluia <laughs> with a gospel procession. I had never and, seen anything like that yeah, before. Yeah. And then obviously Quinn uh, on the, on the uh, organ, just let it rip. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just like so uplifting to me. And then, yeah, it was a really, really powerful experience to be there and to share with others and then to come back to the Newman Center and hopefully starting a new tradition of just, yeah, you got a party. I mean, hello. <laughs> um, that was really Christ powerful. Christ is risen. Yeah, yeah. And that was really, really beautiful just to see people participating, mm-hmm. knowing they couldn't do it last year. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I, just think, I think it's just important that, um, you know, we can allow like masks or not masks or whatever to distract us, but let's just focus on the cross. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just so important because some people get detracted now. It's just like, I'm not even going to listen anymore because right. um, just be grateful. You can come and let's just move on and yeah. stop, stop looking at each other and look at Jesus. Right. You know, I think that's, that's going to kind of lead into our, our, our conversation today, looking at the mm-hmm. gaze of, mm-hmm. of Jesus with the story of the woman at the well. Um, yeah. So this particular chapter begins on page 99 and, and, and we're going through these this stages of discipleship. So the first part being that we're called into relationship to be free and then, you know, learning to trust through the experience of fear. And then thirdly, bearing before Jesus all of our needs and sufferings. Fourthly, the reciprocation of God's love for us by accepting his forgiveness and pouring out our soul to him, which is the act of surrender which we've seen um, with the woman, you know, anointing the feet of Jesus or the Bartimaeus leaping towards him. But then now we look at the external of actually going out and telling people, which is, I think, very good for us to learn. Like we have to introduce people to the person of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then once we do it, then they can go tell, but like get to know someone. Like very rarely to meet someone one time. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah, it takes <laughs> as, a while to get like, to know someone. Yeah, it's like, hey, I know you. And then we're obviously... That's, I think that's important for a lot of us to think about because we often just jump right into like wanting to go too deep too quick, mm. even like physically with other people of the opposite sex. And it's just like, let's just slow down and learn how to be friends first. Mm-hmm. So um, this particular chapter is going to go over John chapter four. I'm just going to give a synthesis of this. So we have, we have uh, a Samaritan woman. So Samaritans and Jews don't talk um, they're considered unclean people, Samaritans are. So Jesus comes to a well, and then you know, Jacob's well is there. So that's a place of engagement. That's a place of where you meet the one, so to speak. And Jesus, you know, asks the woman give, to give her a drink. Um, and she's like, well, how can that be? You're a Jew. Like, we don't, we don't do this. But Jesus says, everyone who drinks of this water will, will, not, will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I shall give him will never thirst. The water I shall give him will become in him a spring of living water welling up to eternal life. And she's like, well, hand it on over. Sir, give me this water because it ain't working in my life. And she talks, you know, uh, Jesus talks about, about her husbands. And she's like, well, I don't have any. And he's like, well, yeah, I know you have five. And the one you're with now, the sixth one, is not your husband. And Jesus is saying, I am the seventh. Seven being a number of perfection, seven days in a week, seven sacraments. Um, and she's like, well, I heard about this Messiah, you know, and she's kind of leading Jesus on, I think a little bit, not that woman would ever do that, <laughs> um, but she's leading him on. And, and then Jesus is like, I am he, you know, whom, whom you speak with. And then that's where I think there's that invitation to be open mouthed, to be like, whoa, I am with the God of the universe in Jesus, the Messiah, the Meshiach, um, the Christus, right? So, and it says they marveled 
that he was talking with the woman. The disciples come, mm -hmm. they see him talking with the woman because apparently you don't do that. Um, and, you know, they, it says that woman was told everything. And she says, come and see a man who told me all that I did. Can this be the Christ? And, you know, he, she's like, I have to go tell everyone. So this is just the encounter, the dialogue, um, the invitation to never thirst again, to go back to that old well and to drop your jug um, to, or abandon your pitcher. And I think so often that's like very difficult to do. But notice how, I think we'll talk about this differently when we're preparing for this, how they don't drink. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of wondering like what sparked your imagination or what sparked you when you were like, they didn't drink anything. Yeah, I mean, he talks about that later in the chapter. I think it's what page, where was that? Um, well, we can read he does. Well, he does yeah. talk about it. But, uh, find it while yeah, talk. thanks. So, 112. 112. Mm -hmm. All right. So, yes, they don't drink. They're both thirsty, you know, dying of thirst. And this is what they're talking about, but they don't drink. Um, and the quote here from Erasmo is, Notice that throughout the episode, neither Jesus nor the woman ever drinks a single drop of water, even though everything was set in motion by thirst of the body. The two have been refreshed and satisfied by their dialogue of love. He by making himself known and inviting her to intimacy with him, she by opening up little by little to the divine seduction and surrendering at last with all the jubilation and immense relief of an enslaved soul that ex that exits to freedom yeah so it is striking they're both thirsty but it's i think it speaks to the the deeper needs that we have in mm -hmm. our hearts right mm -hmm. the physical needs are are important mm -hmm. but they point to something that's far deeper and once that deeper need is satisfied it's as if the needs of the body while still important aren't so essential after all mm -hmm. um you know it's like fasting you had that experience mm -hmm. we all did on friday good friday we're fasting we're remembering jesus and his own fast that day uh but our our needs are met at a deeper level when we surrender something um, mm -hmm. So that's what Jesus is doing for her. He's using this very basic thing, which I think is a, a sign of evangelization for mm -hmm. us too. Like use these basic needs that people mm -hmm. have, mm -hmm. draw them in and say, look, that's a sign of something so much deeper. Yes. So to all people who belong at parishes, um, one thing I encourage is our students not to invite people to the mass. <laughs> yeah. Not that I'm saying don't, but I'm saying let's focus on other areas where we can meet people at the well. So for example, um, you know, I'm, I'm not too keen on drinking alcohol right now because I think it's just in general people struggle with it. So to be very careful whether we invite that into someone going to a bar and talking about God. But can you take someone for a walk and, you know, bring a water bottle with you mm -hmm. or um, go to a coffee shop, have a conversation with them and, you know, ask them to, is there anything I can help you give up here? Mm -hmm. Because... Yeah, I think there's, I mean, obviously we're, we're this weekend, please pray for us. We have pub crawl coming up yeah. and pub crawl is, a, and it, it's, it's debauchery at its finest, or I should say, <laughs> oh, that's bad. But students, basically they're going to be jumping off roofs on the tables and crashing and getting extremely drunk and making crazy, crazy decisions. But again, what they're looking for is Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like they're looking for is, um, they're not looking for beer, you know, our, uh, that simple image of like, we all have a hole in our heart, only the Lord can right. fill it. And then even like, once we kind of get to this point where we're like, you can give me as many beers as you want or clothes or material mm -hmm. items. And it's not making me happy. Even other people, mm -hmm. only Jesus can right. be Jesus. Right. 
And I think she's realizing it's only the Messiah can save you. Right. And you just think like some people are, they're, they're oddly looking for it, but in all the wrong places. Right. Like that song goes up, looking for love in all the wrong <laughs> yeah. places. But the well is so s- significant for the depth of relationship mm-hmm. that Jesus desires mm-hmm. for each person individually. Um, yeah, they don't, they, don't, they don't even drink. You know, right. their conversation is the drink. Like they call to get dr- drunk on on his love. Love, yeah. Um, and then she doesn't even take the picture back with her. She leaves it at the well. Yeah, so. which is, yeah, and she's going out in the middle of the day. So the middle of the day. It's hot. It's hot. It's dusty. noon. Yep, and she's going to a place of, of, of dead water, which we all do. Um, from time to time, but the Lord wants to give us life-giving water, uh, which is full of mercy. Um, I want to look at page 103 real quickly. Um, talks about, so it's contemplating this mystery of, of the Paschal mystery. Again, the Paschal mystery being the life, death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. So if you ever wonder what Paschal mystery is, there it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's contemplating this, in, this mystery St. Bernard exclaimed, It is only just, brethren, that we should celebrate the Lord's coming with all possible devotion, delighted at such great consolation, astounded at such great condescension, set afire by such great love. Like his presence is meant to draw us to devotion, to uh, reverence. Mm-hmm. And I think often do we know who Jesus is. And then she's coming to know that in this um, She's coming to set, set our hearts right, you know. And going on to page 104, um, this is the, the interesting line that we just talked about was we're preparing, but it says, um, shared rejection. So Jesus is rejected by people mm-hmm. often. This woman obviously is known for loose living. It says shared rejection frees them to be themselves with one another beyond all social conventions. Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Uh, and some of us they were there. That's a line from uh, Janis Joplin. Uh, but it's a solitude, rejection, and exhaustion. Jesus and the woman share the same yoke. Mm-hmm. And I think so often that people say they have nothing in common with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I was just maybe wondering if you could maybe speak in your experience of that working with people or maybe they have that disposition, well, how can I relate to this Jesus? Yeah, I think a lot of people do feel that way. They see him as a great teacher or a wonder worker, mm-hmm. has powers that are beyond what they can comprehend. Um, but, you know, one of the earlier chapters was about how Jesus was a person who didn't have any place to lay his head. Mm-hmm. He had mm-hmm. no home. He mentions that again on page 105 in this mm-hmm. chapter. And he has this, like, crazy line that the most marginal of all, mm-hmm. the very archetype of marginal marginalization is Jesus himself. So if anyone understands what it is to be a marginal figure, mm-hmm. I mean, from his birth in an obscure place to having to be a refugee in Egypt to the way that he died as just like a common criminal would have, he understands what it is to be marginal. So I think every suffering that we could possibly experience, Jesus knows it in some way he understands it Mm -hmm. and to help people connect with him that way i think is powerful for evangelization too like to see your experience is something jesus has faced he can Mm -hmm. understand he knows and he can actually be with you and help you with that too i think it's that's kind of points to the point like like be humble and just ask for a mentor often um when people come to ask to talk to me and I, i realize what they're going through but I just try to point them to the scriptures mm-hmm. and just say, you know, you're feeling rejected. Mm-hmm. 
Do you know any scriptures, obviously they probably do, where Jesus felt rejected or you're feeling very lonely? Um, you know, any parts where Jesus felt lonely, we will open up the scriptures or uh, with Mother Mary even saying things like, do you feel God's calling you to give a bigger yes? And we just go over the enunciation. Like it's, a, it's an everyday surrender, an everyday yes. Because um, I think like sometimes when we feel like it's un relatable or we're too we're too marginalized from him like he's up there i'm down here and we were talking about earlier the chosen how like that really relates to us the um the humanity of jesus how he was so human he's actually funny which is (laughs) i love that um i think often if you haven't seen the chosen please go check it out and uh, with the woman at the well which is the last episode in season eight um, Jesus is waiting for her mm-hmm. and like he's waiting for all of us and she comes to him you know exhausted dirty having this conversation but I, I love that line where he just says I've been waiting just for you mm-hmm. and like if we don't think Jesus love is specific we have to say Lord make your love specific mm-hmm. to me in my neediness and my brokenness so I can know that you love me and only your love will satisfy me but then after that encounter, when he, she realized it's him, mm-hmm. she's like, oh my gosh, I got to go tell everyone. The disciples are like walking up to them being like, who is this crazy lady? And he's like, <laughs> but then he says, this is what I, I thirst for. This is my food is to do the right. will of my heavenly father. Right. And that, yeah. that's kind of where we come to when we come to this point where we're like, yeah, you can buy me as many like physical things. It's not going to make me happy. I appreciate it because we need beauty. I get that. But like eventually you're like, I want souls. Mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. souls. Um, and then we see souls kind of throwing their lives away. You're like, it just right, breaks your heart. It does. And you're touching on Jesus' thirst, which is something we talked about earlier, too, mm-hmm. before we started this. And, you know, it's easy to see the thirst of the Samaritan woman in this story. Mm-hmm. Like, she's hot. She's coming for water. And it's easier to see our own thirst, too, right? Mm-hmm. The ways that we have this hole in our hearts that we're trying to fill, often with things that are not helpful. But to realize, too, that just as Jesus experienced every form of marginalization, he experiences thirst, too. So mm-hmm. he's thirsty, like you said, for souls. He's mm-hmm. longing for love, just like we're longing for love. He's longing for our love. And so there's this common shared thirst that mm-hmm. he's looking to be satisfied as he looks to her for her love and to us for our love. Mm-hmm. And that goes into page 108. He talks about the thirst. Um says no no example erasmus says no example could be more eloquent in showing the deep union between the mystical life of prayer and the active life of a christian journey charity love squandered on the person of jesus both in the interior of our soul and consequently exterior as well as on those in the greatest need so this is a this is the fundamental insight of i'll say saint mother teresa um, who admirably managed to turn such a purely mystical vision in the most practical of programs. It goes on further to say, the cross perp- proposes we detect Jesus and the Samaritan plot, the successive phase of a soul's dialogue with God. Um, she goes on further to say, you know, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. I think sometimes we doubt that the Lord mm. can meet us in the depths of our pain, in the depths of our thirst, or those places we go, um, well, he does have something to draw with, and it always say be the cross mm-hmm. and the sacraments, mm-hmm. um, because that's you know we're called to participate in the Eucharist, to be fed mm-hmm. with Him, to let His body and blood go into us. But I think as she's talking with Him, she's actually having a confession. A lot of mm-hmm. people don't catch that she's yeah. he's drawing her sins yeah. out and he's cleansing her mm-hmm. through His love. Mm-hmm. And I think often that's so 
needed, especially getting this Sunday with Divine Mercy Sunday, like having a good confession, um, getting ready to receive his love in a new way. And, and to think like that he can't do that is, is silly. But I, I would say one place of the well to be reconciled. You can't have reconciliation without two people. Mm-hmm. Um, you need confession. Mm-hmm. You need repentance. And you need a mediator to, to p- tell people about this amazing love. Um, yeah, the words I thirst, I, I think it just sums up so much. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. almost like more powerful than I love you. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the words, like I, when you hear the words I thirst, you know, obviously coming from uh, a Protestant background, becoming Catholic, and then whatever, not whatever, being a consecrated <laughs> virgin. Um, what do the words I thirst mean to you as you've kind of come to like be sacramentally Christian? Yeah. Yeah, that phrase of Jesus, mm. those words from the cross, are not something I prayed with very much as a mm-hmm. Protestant. It really mm-hmm. was as a Catholic. And it's through St. Teresa of Calcutta, actually. Mm-hmm. She's one of the first saints I really started to spend time with. Mm-hmm. And I experienced my own thirst for Jesus before I started praying with those words. So mm. it was the thirst for the Eucharist that drew mm. me into the Catholic Church. So mm-hmm. I might have shared before on this podcast, I can't remember about how I was going to daily Mass before I was Catholic. Mm-hmm. And I would go and I'd go up for a blessing because I thought, I'm here, I'm at least going to get a blessing. Yep. And then I would go to the Adoration Chapel and I would cry a lot of times after Mass because mm. I couldn't receive the mm-hmm. Eucharist. I was so hungry and thirsty mm-hmm. for Jesus present in that sacrament. Um, so that's how I've experienced it more powerfully, most powerfully, and how it drew me into the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. But it was also Jesus thirsting for me, and I realized later like he'd been waiting for me a lot longer than I'd been mm, waiting for him I right. thought like why do I have to wait so long for for the Eucharist yeah, but yeah. he said you know Sarah I've been waiting for you this is increasing your desire for me as you yeah, wait for and me don't forget that yeah yeah I think so often we forget how like wait like like I need to be patient I need to be patient like sometimes when people say that I'll just tell them particularly it's, it's confessed and confession often I'm impatient mm-hmm. you know whatever um, and I'm like, have you reflected on how patient God has been with you? Mm-hmm. Like that's sometimes why I don't do things to evangelize and go out because I have to remember how patient the Lord has been yeah. with me. And if I just go out and when I set the world on fire where there's no ga- spiritual gasoline, so to speak, there's no, <laughs> there's no thirst. Right. Um, well then what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think this being that consistent presence of love, that consistent presence of invitation to come to the well and drop your, your pitcher is really what it is. Yeah. I guess maybe that's why Jesus tells us to be salt too, right? To help make the world thirsty for yep. him. If we're not mm-hmm. even aware of their thirst, mm-hmm. we can hopefully increase that by our witness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's hard mm-hmm. because people are so afraid to ask for help nowadays. They're so afraid. They're just, I don't even know what people are anymore. Sometimes I kind of wonder, but like, sometimes they don't, they don't even realize they're carrying a picture. And they're going to the empty places and it's right. like it's not going to satisfy you like no one and the weird thing is like sometimes we invite things we listen to that little voice of saying you're never going to beat this you're never going to conquer mm-hmm. this why do you even try that voice of discouragement and it just sucks the joy out of us and again i think we just got to focus on jesus so mm-hmm. much um, which i think why the younger generation loves sacramentals so much mm-hmm. because they need constant reminders mm-hmm. of his thirst his desire to draw them into deeper union um and it, and it shine that light I, on page um, 109 um, 
which maybe is a, a good a good segue. Um, but at the bottom, page 109, we read, what at first was a symbol of the crushing heat that cracks the very stones, the Palestinian noonday sun suddenly becomes a symbol of liberation because this is the moment when the full light of truth enters this darkness or this darkened soul. And as we have often seen, the first thing that the divine light does in us before communicating to us its own life is to expose our sins that is the light of life must condemn in us the death that inhabits us as a terrible tyrant we have become accustomed to serve that is just like a very powerful mm-hmm. line but i think like yeah we can become enslaved that's that's a, a consequence of sin is being enslaved as um with the correct mm-hmm. image of the human trafficker but here we have the divine physician healing and because she's not judge her sin, she's set free from them mm-hmm. instead. She is, as it says at the bottom of the paragraph, she is face to face with the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. And I think often that's where we gotta be. Like when Peter didn't do that, he obviously sunk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she's in search for that frantic, or that frantic search of love. Gosh, I could talk about this forever, but I'm just kind of wondering, um, maybe we could talk about the next couple paragraphs and kind of wrap up here. But like yeah. the, the five husbands is always kind of a question, like where does that come from? Yeah. Next couple paragraphs. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting. I've read mm-hmm. this in other places too, so I'll just read part mm-hmm. of this paragraph. An interesting exegetical <clears throat> notation to John 4, 18. You have had five husbands, and he whom you now have is not your husband. Refers us to 2 Kings seventeen twenty four, And the king of Assyria had brought... People from Babylon, Chutha, Ava, Hamath, and Sepharvim. I'm not sure. You did wonderful. (laughs) And placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the people of Israel. And they took possession of Samaria and dwelt in her cities. These five pagan nations, which supplied occupants for Samaria, have been apparently symbolized by John in the woman's five husbands. So, and Rome would be the, the sixth one that she's with now who's not her husband. I mean Israel? Or Israel. Yep. Okay, sorry. I was thinking of... Hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. Or do you mean Rome? I was thinking of... I thought it was Rome. Maybe I've read that somewhere else before, but maybe it's not here. Because he doesn't mention Rome here, but... Oh, oh, wait. Yeah, the sixth... The, and page 111, the present sixth husband, who's not really her husband, oh, yep, is the, the Roman occupation. Yeah, perfect. Okay. So there's these like foreign entities that come. And what I love about that is that there's a personal way to read this, which we've been talking about mm-hmm. already, but there's also this bigger picture mm-hmm. of what God is doing with his people and how they have been unfaithful to him. And you read the Old Testament throughout time, in the Old Testament time and time again, they're mm-hmm. unfaithful to him, but he's constantly wooing them back. Mm-hmm. And finally, it's in the person of Jesus, God himself, that he comes uh, to woo them and to love them. Mm-hmm. And she receives that. So it's, yeah, that more, it's the larger picture of things. Yeah. So, you know, God loving his church as his bride. Mm-hmm. We see that in its early stages here, really, I think bridegroom of her soul the bridegroom of the church too Mm -hmm. yeah these are all like signifying impure Mm -hmm. mixing of because it was like jews could only in essence mate (laughs) or multiply with jews so seeing like intermingling was Mm -hmm. like they thought as offensive so now she has a sixth husband um not that anybody's ever had that before right um but some some of the church fathers talk about uh the five husbands for us symbolizing 
how we get seduced by our senses. Mm. So am I a slave to smell, right? Mm. Do I get caught up mm. in that? Or am I a slave to what I hear, mm. gossip, and I just get tr- entrenched in that? Or am I a slave to what I see? I get hooked for men. Obviously, pornography is very big in there. Or am I a slave to taste, mm. food, drink, mm-hmm. um, drugs, mm-hmm. right? Uh, or am I a, a, a slave to sight, touch, feeling? What's my other sense I'm missing here? Smell? Do you say smell? Smell. I mean, no, touch. I mean, touch. Yeah, I smell. Okay. Yeah. But touch, like uh, pleasure, right? Yeah. So, um, and the sixth one is sometimes like it's, it's we're, we're filling our, our, our sixth sense. Sometimes we have a sense of things like, hmm. and we're not even allowing that one. And then obviously seven being a number of perfection. Like mm-hmm. Jesus wants to fulfill, wants to please you perfectly and, and, you yeah. to, and him to find you perfectly delighted in. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants to satiate your senses at what you hear so we can speak mm-hmm. truth and love to all of those areas we listen to garbage. He wants to purify your sight because we know the eyes are the lamp of the soul, as scripture says. Uh, he wants to, yeah, everything, mm-hmm. taste. He wants to t- t- have you have heavenly mm-hmm. taste. So I think it's just so interesting how that kind of works. Um, yeah, because we are not so different from this woman. No, the not at all. I mean, that's why she's such a perfect story because she's an archetype for all of us, right? We're all thirsty. We all try to fill our thirst with things mm-hmm. that are not good for us. Yep. And we all need Jesus. Only he can satisfy our thirst. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on page 111, we can end with this because we're getting to our time limit. Um, but it talks on the bottom. It says, Jesus has peered into the depths of her soul and revealed to her her innermost secrets, above all, her deep sadness at never having found a true love. So as we uh, close up, you know, they don't drink, but Jesus, that's what Jesus wants for each of us as we listen. Um, you know, there's so much more than what the world is offering us, and we're kind of seeing that by depression, drug addiction rates, suicide rates, because people are obviously not being satisfied. The People are losing the, the will to live so we are called to spend time with Jesus and then share him with others mm-hmm. in any way. And again, as I began with, I would encourage you to look at different ways that your parish is other than um, mass. But then mm-hmm. tell them, this is where you're going to truly be fed. It's where I'm going to lead you to. Mm-hmm. But I want to just start with conversation to pour the love of Jesus from my heart into your heart. Mm-hmm. And then when you're empty, you just go back to Jesus at the cross. And you, say, <laughs> you put your hands up. You say, fill me up with more, That's Jesus. right. He always has so more. <laughs> go, we'll pour it out to them. Um, just going to give a couple of shout outs to listeners, hopeful listeners, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, but I know... Uh, uh, we had um, one of my friends from Anago, uh, Brandy Burris, and hmm. a friend of hers, yeah, I apologize, right. I forget her name, and her son, Liam, uh, but she said she was listening, and I was like, holy crap. Um, <laughs> so I just want to give her a shout out. I didn't know if you had anyone to give a shout out to, or would like to be a helpful listener or anything. Yeah. Um, well, I mentioned Father Jerry earlier, so how about the priests of Oshkosh? We yeah. thought if they would listen to us. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Or even uh, maybe new, new bishop-elect. Yeah. Dan Felton. Yeah. So please pray for yes. Bishop like Dan, Dan Felton and for our diocese that we pray for transition of a new vicar general um, and for the diocese of Duluth, Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, that he can help uh, them um, yeah, encounter the love of Jesus, the thirst of Jesus. That would be wonderful. Um, and also, again, if you have any prayer requests, haven't received any yet, so I know <laughs> it can, take, can be a, a, a threshold across or maybe a a picture to drop, but you can always email us at titancatholics at gvdioc.org. Um, so I encourage you uh, to go to Mass this Sunday, Divine Mercy, have a good mm-hmm. confession. 
um, let the Lord uh, come in and to satisfy our thirst and not be afraid to tell the priest in confession um, where those dead wells are, those areas of, of, of not living water would be and ask to be filled with living water. Mm -hmm. Not be afraid to do that and then spend time in adoration to let Jesus and his loving gaze heal you and anoint you uh, because he is a lamb who takes away the sins of the world. So I mean, I'll let you close this in prayer because I've been doing a lot of talking. <laughs> okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord God, we thank you that you are the one who will satisfy our every thirst and hunger. We thank you for your love poured out for us through Jesus on the cross, and for the gift that it was to celebrate his death and resurrection together, to remember those things and journey with each other again this year. We pray for all of our listeners who are thirsty, who are suffering, who feel like they're on the margins. Lord Jesus, may they have the courage to come to you and see in you the answer to every question they've ever asked. May your love fill them to overflowing. And may they be strengthened then to go and share your love with others and to bring them to you. Thank you for this gospel passage. Thank you for the many ways that you are showing us your love each day. Help our eyes to be open to your gaze upon us so that we might continue to be transformed into your likeness. Mother Mary, we ask for your intercession. St. Joseph, we ask for yours as well, that we might be more and more open to the love of the Father through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We pray all of these things in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.